book of Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 14, right there in the first part of your Bible. And so we've been talking about different things, about walking in freedom. Last week we got over onto some things, generational stuff. We're going to pick back up there and you, you realize, if you need a Bible, raise your hand up real high. You realize that in, in the natural, that we pick up things from our bloodline, hereditary or genetically. And so, you know, our children, our offspring, that they end up having some of the same uh, characteristics of family members, some resemblance. Maybe you're here today and people say, well, you have your mother's eyes, you have your father's looks. Maybe you, you have mannerisms like your grandfather. And so we all understand that, that genetically things are passed on to us and we really see that physically. You know, a lot of times when you go to a doctor, one of the first things a doctor will ask you, tell me about your family's history. Why? Well, because of just the bloodline, the things that flow down, we can, we can get where we understand things in our lives. But also, if you've ever gotten an insurance policy, you know, one of the first things they want to know about you is, tell me about your family's bloodline. Any history of this, history of that, and they ask you all about that. Why? Because in the natural... We understand things that happen to us genetically. Now in the book of Genesis chapter 1, it take, talks about a thing that we like to call it the, the law of generation. And in Genesis 1, you'll see that whatever is of itself or whatever the seed is, it will re reproduce after its own kind. Now if it's normal, if it's natural, it's that way. Now think about that just for a second. If it's of God, it will reproduce after its own kind, okay? But many times in our life, when we get over spiritually, we never look at that spiritually. And so, so many times in the Bible, the, the Bible specifically talks about what's handed down to us generationally. I can tell you the positive side, the blessing of that, is if you study the life of Abraham. From Abraham to Isaac, to Jacob. It was a generational blessings that not only ended with Jacob, that went to his son Joseph, and that's where the twelve tribes of Israel came from. And so each one of those generations, whether it was Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, they chose to live for God. That just didn't happen, guys. They chose to follow God. And so pick up with me here this morning, in Genesis, or not Genesis, Numbers 14, and we're going to see some things here this morning that I believe once we walk through some of this, you're going to get blessed today. You're going to see some scripture that will set you free. Numbers 14, begin with me in verse 18. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you are. Forgiving what? Iniquity and transgression. Now remember the word iniquity... Means, means to bend to a certain weakness or a certain tendency. It also means to distort the heart. It also means a, a certain weakness toward a sin. So right here he says something interesting. Forgiving iniquity and transgression. Now I want you to highlight something in your Bible. The word forgiving. How is forgiving taking place? Well, the only way I'm forgiven is for me to take responsibility of my sin and repent. And so he goes on to say here, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but by no means he clears the guilty. 
Now that word clear there means he doesn't acquit or to cleanse. And so when I look at that, to the guilty, God does not whitewash sin, guys. God does not allow us to kick sin under a rug and think it's okay. So he says, by no means clearing, he clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the children, to the third and the fourth generation. So he's saying here, it extends to the fallout of the parents' sins, what he's talking about. Now remember last week, in Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, verse 5, it says, the iniquities of the father to the third and the fourth generation, just like it says here. Now this is repeated over and over and over in the Bible. It says it in Exodus 34, 7 and 8. Deuteronomy 5.9, Leviticus 26.39, Isaiah 14.21, Jeremiah 14.20, Jeremiah 32.18, Jeremiah 11 and 10. And so why I'm telling you that is this is repeated over and over and over. And what is it talking about? I believe he's talking to us about spiritual genetics, spiritual things that are handed down. Does that mean I have to live by them my whole life? No. But it is a warning here to us that if someone does not take responsibility for those sins and even the sins of our fathers, it will be handed down. And some may say, well, that's not fair. Well, I want you to begin to see something in the Scriptures here that throughout the mo this morning you're going to see the power of one. God always just looks for one. That'll say, okay, Lord. I'll be the history maker in the family, spiritually. I'll be the one that'll rise up. Keep reading with me, verse 19. Now, this is Moses talking. And Moses said, pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray. According to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt and even till now. And so it's interesting that he's asking the Lord to pardon or forgive the iniquity, and he mentions the word forgiveness right there. So right here, Moses is beginning to what? He's beginning to take responsibility for the sin. He goes on to say in verse 20, Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. In other words, because Moses was a man that said, All right, Lord, I'll pray. I'll ask for forgiveness. The Lord said, I'll pardon all this. So once again, what do I see? Well, I see the power of one. I see the power of what happens when one prays, one repents, and then, man, I'm going to tell you, God comes flooding in. And so you begin to see a little bit of things that are going on. Keep reading with me, verse 21. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory... And the signs which I did in Egypt in the wilderness. And they have put me to test now these ten times. And have not heeded my voice. So you know what he's telling them there? They continually do the same thing. They just keep on repeating. They will not heed my voice. But it's interesting that he goes on to say in verse 24. But my servant Caleb. Because he has a different spirit in him. Has followed me fully. I will bring him to the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. And so this one man named Caleb here, because what? He had a different spirit about it. What was the different spirit? He said, he fully followed me, or he fully obeyed me. 
So right here he begins to talk about God is just looking for that one. Now go over several books to your right to the book of Daniel. Chapter number 9. Where is Daniel? Well, you're going to hit Isaiah, then Jeremiah, then Ezekiel, and then you're going to jump right on into Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. Now, I encourage you, look at a lot of these scriptures. One great passage of scriptures in Ezekiel 18. Read that whole chapter. Now, you've got to get, read the whole chapter to get the whole content of what he's talking about. But over and over in Ezekiel 18, it talks about the iniquities. How we can either come under the blessings or we can come under the curse. Daniel 9. Look with me in verse 13. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. And I highlight the word disaster. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. In other words, he's saying, we've ignored you, Lord. We've kept on sinning. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind, and he has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works. He does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And so it's very important, guys, that we obey his voice, that we obey his word. Don't be defiant toward the things of God. Verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name, it is this day, we have sinned. We have done wickedly. Now this is Daniel talking. And so once again, guys, I want you to see the power of one. This one man, Daniel here, he takes responsibility. And he starts confessing what they've done. Verse 16. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray. Let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, and your people are a reproach or an embarrassment to all those around us. And so you begin to see something here. Once again, what does Daniel take responsibility for? He said, for our sins... And the iniquities of our fathers. Now the iniquities, once again, guys, are sins or patterns in our bloodlines that are handed down generationally. They keep going, they keep going, they keep going. And so here's what we must understand. The truth of God's Word is an absolute. God does not allow for compromise. And so when I see the things that Daniel wrote, you know what he's telling us in there? That God is a covenant God. He's a righteous God. And God will not break the covenant. You know who breaks the covenant? We do. We do. Now I want you to go back to your left now, to the book of Nehemiah. Man, I'm going to make you figure out where, where Bible Scripture is. And you may say, where is Nehemiah? Well, if you've gone to Job or, or Psalms, you've gone too far. I'm going to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. And in my Bible, that's page 614, if that helps a bit. Probably not. Okay, where we're at here, guys, is, is the power of one once again. It says in, in Psalm 106.23 that Moses stood in the gap. That Moses stood in the gap. And it said that Moses stood in the gap so the people wouldn't be destroyed. And so you're going to begin to see some things even in this passage of Scripture. Why am I keep bringing this up? 
because I don't care who you are in here, if you'll come under the hand of God and begin to be a person that repents, God will begin to bless, guys. God will begin to move in your life. Nehemiah, and if you'll look at the top of verse or chapter 1, it says Nehemiah prays for his people. So Nehemiah is going to stand in the begat. Begin with me in Nehemiah 1 verse 4. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. As I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, listen to this, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Now what did God say would keep us, or Nehemiah said that would keep us in covenant with God? When we love God and we obey. And so he's just telling here, this is what's going on. Keep reading, verse 6. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servants, which I pray for before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which have sinned against you. Now I want to stop right there. What did he say must take place first? The confession of sin. Why is it so important for me and you to confess our sin? Well, 1 John 1.9 says that if we will confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us. So without repentance, guys, there is no forgiveness. Now on top of that, when there is no forgiveness, the next part of chapter 1 and verse 9 of John 1 says that if you'll repent or confess, I'll not only forgive you, but I'll cleanse you. And so if we don't take responsibility for sin, there's no forgiveness and there's no washing. Now when John the Baptist came onto this scene here on the earth, remember John's bad, John the Baptist, his cry to the people was repent. When Jesus came on the scene, Jesus' cry was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so this hasn't changed. So it's very important, guys, that me and you learn to confess our sins. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes will have mercy. So what does it mean to cover my sin? I sweep it under the rug and act like nothing's ever happened. And so right here, there are huge consequences for not confessing our sin. For not taking responsibility. So you saw right here, the first thing Nehemiah said was, we confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Now look what he says next. Both my father's house and I have sinned. Now, in Ezekiel 22.30, God said this to Ezekiel. He said, I look for one that'll stand in the gap. I just look for one that'll stand in the gap. And so what happens if he can get one of us to begin to stand in the gap? I'm going to tell you, it changes the curse. If we don't begin to rise up, guys, destruction and darkness and junk will keep happening. And so this is what he's looking for. Turn over a couple pages to Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. We're moving forward here a little bit. 
I know at times, man, we start talking about sins. We don't want to, we don't want to listen to that stuff. But it's very important we understand this this morning. Nehemiah 9, verse 1. Now on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Now I can tell you that just studying this, I, I'm not positive about all the symbolic reference of this. I can tell you this though. What he's talking about here in verse 1, it was a sign of repentance. Anytime they're talking about the sackcloth, the ashes and these things, it's a sign they're repentant. Verse 2, Then those of the Israelite lineage, they separated themselves from all the foreigners, and they stood and they confessed their sins. Now get this, guys. They stood and they confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. Interesting, isn't it? Once again, you begin to see biblically through the Scriptures what begins to happen. And so Nehemiah said, listen guys, we got to stand. we got to take responsibility for all these. Verse number 3. And they stood up in their place, and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I do know one-fourth of the day means that was six hours. So for six hours of this day, you know what they did? They stood up and they read the Word of God. The regenerating power of the Word of God. James 1.21 says, The Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Something begins to happen when I begin to hear the Word of God. On a regular basis. I shouldn't even say on a regular basis. I should say on a daily basis. It's very important for us to hear the Word of God. So for one-fourth of the day, they hear the Word of God. Keep reading. And for another fourth, they confessed and they worshipped the Lord their God. And so you begin to see now, for twelve hours, guys, they confessed the Word. They confessed their sins. And they worship God. And I think about this, that a lot of times in our life, we get mad when our church service goes longer than an hour. And these guys spent 12 hours. I believe Nehemiah knew the significance of what was going on, that he said, listen guys, we can't play around with this stuff. we got to get serious. And so you know what I believe? Through Nehemiah's leading them and telling them, guys, get right. I believe they were bringing their lives, their hearts back into alignment with God. Where they understood, we're out of alignment. How many of you have ever had a car out of alignment? You let go of the steering wheel, and next thing you know, you're in the ditch. To the left or the right. Well, see, that's what happens to our lives when we don't live by the Word of God, and we don't take responsibility. Man, you're going to end up in ditches. Lift to the left, to the right, to the left, to the right. Now the blessing for me and you as New Testament believers that a thing called the new birth, a thing called salvation, a thing called born again, you know what that does for me and you? That gives us a mercy and a grace. Now grace is not for me and you to keep sinning. You know what grace is for me and you to do? To begin to ask God to empower us that I don't do those things anymore. So as a New Testament believer, we've been blessed 
with a gift called repentance. That if I'll repent of my sins and turn from them, I can stay in fellowship with Father God. So when you do sin, one of the best things you can do is learn to repent. And turn from that and say, okay, Father God, come on the inside of me. Come on and clean me, help me. See, it should bother me when I sin. Now go to the book of Isaiah. And I told you I was going to have you all over the place this morning. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. Now I want to tell you, just as iniquities can be passed down through your bloodline, the exemption from iniquities comes from the blood of Jesus. Now, this here that I'm getting ready to read in Isaiah 53, guys, this is your legal document. This is your legal document, your legal freedom from these iniquities. So the reason I'm telling you this is your doc, you need to get this, these verses in your heart right here. These verses that we're fixing to read will set you free if you realize and understand what Jesus has done. Isaiah 53. Start with me first of all in verse number 4. It says, Surely He, talking about Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now every one of us in this room at one time or another has had some griefs because of life. We've had some sorrows. And so when I look at verse 4, the sorrows and griefs that he's talking about are all the junk that's happened to us in life. All the things that people have done to us, the pains. Or even all the things in our life that we feel like's wrong with us. And it says right here that Jesus paid the price for those. Keep reading. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. I'm going to tell you, I encourage you, put my transgressions in there. For Jesus was wounded for Ben's transgressions. If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior of life, you have legal documentation right here to that. He says next, look, that he was bruised for what? Our iniquities. There it is again. He was bruised for our iniquities. In other words, Jesus paid the price. Now when I begin to look at the word bruise, in a Jewish commentary that I was looking at, it started talking about that in our physical bodies, when you have a bruise on you, there's not a lot you can do for that bruise to get it healed. Think about it. Maybe you've bruised an arm, you've bruised a leg, and there'll be some, some pain with it, probably some discoloring with it. But really, when you think, there's not a whole lot you can do about a bruise. So how does the bruise get healed? Well, a bruise get healed because the blood that's in our body, the blood that circulates throughout your veins, it carries the nutrients you need and so before long, that blood that keeps going through that bruise, it will heal it. How do you know that? Well, there's life in the blood. Well, how do you know that? You're not a doctor. Well, think about this. How many of you have ever heard someone die before and you said, how'd they die? Well, they bled to death. So life is in the blood. So the very way your natural blood heals that bruise, 
That's exactly what the blood of Jesus does because of the iniquities that have bruised your heart. And so just as the blood flows through your natural body, when you begin to receive the blood of Jesus, man, it'll take care of those. It will wash those iniquities right out of you. Now, I love the fact of everything that Jesus did right here. If you'll pay close attention, He took your sorrows. He took your griefs. He, he, he took your transgressions. And He took your iniquities. And then, you know what I believe He did? Just for an added bonus, look what the rest of that says. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. And so with Jesus, God... You can experience peace. You know, the, the early years of my life, I didn't have no peace, guys. My, my life was that of turmoil. And I'm telling you guys, when I get out of the peace of God, right, I know it. And my peace isn't based on my surroundings or my circumstances. My peace is based on Jesus. And then when you begin to walk in the peace of God, you understand, man, He died for an inward peace. That all hell may be broken loose around you, but there's peace. And look at the last thing He says. And by His stripes, we are healed. Now there's your documentation right there, guys. And I believe with all my heart that when Jesus heals, He's not just talking about your physical body and your... De- He's talking about healing you inwardly. And so I'm telling you, we got to get a hold of this, guys. Where we begin to say, all right, Lord Jesus, just saturate me in that. I receive your blood. See, that's where it gets back over as a New Testament believer. i got to walk by faith, guys. I Just as you got born again, you got born again by faith. This is the same way. you got to begin to believe the blood of Jesus is active in your heart. It's active in your life. Psalms 103.3 says that He forgives all your iniquities. And He heals all your diseases. Now when I look at all this that takes place, guys, He's looking for one. He's looking for one that will begin to stand up and say, Okay, Father God, I repent of my sins, and I repent of the sins of my fathers. I repent of the sins of my grandfathers. And you know what's interesting? When you see all this, that the iniquities of the fathers are handed down to the third and fourth generation. I want you ladies in here to know that that does not mean as females you're exempt. No, you know what it says in there? That every one of you females, you had fathers. And because of the iniquities of the fa- your fathers, those were handed down into your bloodline too. And so each one of us, guys, whether it's the Moses, whether it's the Daniel, whether it's the Nehemiah, it just took one. But think about this, the power of one. You know what Father God said? For God so loved the world that I gave my only begotten Son. You know what for us to receive salvation? It took one man. And that one man took care of everything we did. I want you to go to one more scripture. Look in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter number 4. Now get ready guys, you're fixing to get blessed. It is permissible in here to be excited about the Word of God. It is permissible to say, oh thank God, this is my documentation. This is my legal deed right here. See, this is where you got to get a hold of the Word of God. 
And you can look and say, right here. I like to say it this way. If you can ever find where it's written, you can always tell the devil it's finished. And when he starts trying to mess with you, you pull out your legal documentation and say, Isaiah 53, 5 says that he was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquities. And you begin to declare that. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. If you'll notice, this is red letter words. This is Jesus talking. And he says, because he, Father God, has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To preach the good news. He has sent me to what? To heal the brokenhearted. That was the first one that Jesus... He said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. Then look what he says. And to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives. You know what the Amplified says? The Amplified says to announce the release. To announce the release. Dear Jesus, some of you need to get excited. I'm telling you right now. To proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives and recover of sight to the blind. To set at liberty or freedom those who are oppressed. Those who are oppressed. Now for that word oppressed in the Amplified, you know what it says? Those who are downtrodden. Those who are crushed. And those who are bruised. And so I don't care what you fall under today. If you're broken hearted because of griefs and sorrows, then you've got to get a hold and say, Okay, Lord Jesus, I welcome you into healing my broken heart. If you've been bound, if you've been held in captivity by something, and every one of us in this room at one time or another, we've been held captive by something. Think about that in your own life. Maybe in your bloodline. Then you begin to look and say, Well, thank you, Lord Jesus, you set me free. You set me free. And I'm going to tell you, once you repent and start saying, okay, Father God, I've, I've been forgiven. The blood of Jesus is clean. You need to start confessing this. Start saying, thank you, Father God. I received that captive setting free blood. I received that. And guess what he'll do? He'll start moving in your life. He'll start now. Listen, guys. Christianity is not a spectator religion. You weren't called to sit in the bleachers the rest of your life. You weren't called to sit on the sidelines. You know, God's calling you to get in the game. And I can prove that biblically over and over and over. When Peter walked on the water, he was the only one that got out of the boat. When, when Jesus told the disciples, He said, listen boys, you got to get into the deep end. That's Luke 5. See, God's just looking for ones that will pardon her. But I can't sit on the sideline of life and think, well, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. Let's just sit around and sing kumbaya. And if God wants to take care of me, he'll, no, I'm going to tell you, we got to get in here and we got to begin to get a hold of this by faith. And you got to begin to speak this. And I'll tell you, if, if they spent 12 hours a day, I'm not telling you you got to go 12 hours. Not put that legalistically. But i got to begin where I get before the Lord and begin to thank, oh, thank you, Father God. My bloodline's been set free. I thank you, Lord. No alcohol dominates me no more. I thank you, Father God. The blessings of God are upon my hand. And man, I begin to confess my sin. I'm, I'm you know what confession of my sin does for me? It brings freedom to me. It liberates me. And then, you know what? Jesus comes in, and like I've said before, Jesus is the, the, the human stain stick. 
in, in my, uh, my drawer over in my office, I keep one of those little pencil-looking things that's a Tide stain stick. Why do you do that, Pastor? Well, I have a problem missing my mouth with my coffee cup on a regular basis. And so most of the times, my shirt, and some of you men are saying, that's me. I got all kinds of little dribbles on there. And so my wife, she bought that and she said, you take care of those. Well, see, that's what Jesus does. When I apply the blood of Jesus, He just comes in and when I repent, you know what? He'll cleanse you up. He'll just say, He'll begin to wash you. You guys, come on up here. You, you teens are going to help me this morning. Come on. And so each one of us, guys, I've got to get a hold of that. Now, when I use that stain stick remover in my, my drawer, guys, it doesn't drop out of the drawer on its own. It doesn't come marching out on, its, on my desk and start marking me up. No, I've I got to take that stain stick and I've got to apply it. See, that's the same as the Word of God. You've got to take the Word of God and begin to apply it. Now, these guys are going to do a drama for you maybe this morning. Let it minister to you. The time we go through life all bound up, but we don't have to. We don't have to. Because the blood of Jesus. Just bow your head with me and close your eyes here. Father God, we love you today. 